And we're back with So You Think You Know Sports. We cover NFL, NBA, and sometimes UFC. This is football season. Happy fall. Now, our main subjects today will be Antonio Brown drama. It keeps on going. The most interesting seven-game highlights and questions from week three. And a little bit of NBA with Kevin Durant hinting at playing the 2019-2020 season. But I'm going to go ahead and introduce the host. My name is Alex, and go ahead and say something for Mohammed. Hey, just want to say what's up to all the listeners. Thank you for listening, and keep listening. Yes, definitely. Uh, we have many different platforms. You can tell your friends about us. We're pretty entertaining. Um, but we have an IG, a YouTube, along with uh, Twitter. So add us, comment on us, uh, watch it, listen to us through Apple um, Podcasts and many different platforms. But we're going to jump straight in with Antonio Brown. It's been the most important, uh, I guess actually more interesting thing from this season and preseason. Antonio Brown, recent update has gotten cut from the New England Patriots. The relationship has only lasted 13 days. Well, that prompted Antonio Brown, after a pretty peaceful parting ways, to tweet on Sunday, bringing up some very sore issues. On Sunday, Antonio Brown tweets bringing up Robert Kraft, the owner of the New England Patriots solicitation case. And, quote, Kraft got caught in the parlor. A.B. speculations fired different strokes, different folks, clearly, as a comment and a shot at the owner of the Patriots. He also attacked ex-teammates like Ben Roethlisberger and TV personality and former NFL player Shannon Sharp. But this all begs the question. Uh, we'll, we'll go back to the fact that he is no longer on a team in the NFL. So will he, he play again in the NFL? Or, and if so, when? I think that Antonio Brown, I, I'm thinking he will play in the NFL again, but it won't be anytime soon. His talent, uh, it warrants somebody wanting him on their team. Like, somebody's going to take him. Because when we last saw him, he was still a great talent. And as we all know, in the NFL, if you have the talent, somebody's going to take a chance on you. Um, unless you just go completely off the rails and you're in prison or whatever. <laughs> but, uh, well, that sounds and, like him. <laughs> Well, it does sound like him. He, he has gone off the rails, but he's not in prison. He has been convicted. Um, there's just this ongoing uh, case that he has with uh, his trainer and multiple other people who say oh, he, that he owes them money. So until all of that gets figured out, I don't think any team is going to touch him. And we might see him again next year in the 2020 season. Okay, so you're saying it is going to take a whole season for him to get back into the NFL. I I say I say he does play in the NFL again. I'm not exactly sure when though. That's that's the question, uh, and I don't think it's just due to the allegations. I just think that there's more interesting territory out there for him. But I'll we'll get to that. Um, 
I asked the question though, is Brown justified on his comments about Robert Kraft seeing that he did get caught in a parlor and 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 I, what I mean by a parlor is a massage parlor where he asked for a happy ending quotes on that. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> is he justified by his comments because Robert Kraft was caught and Antonio Brown is only speculation. Well, um, Antonio Brown just can't point to one thing about himself as far as speculating if he did what he did to his trainer. He's also been a huge distraction and disruption for every team that he's been on. So he, I mean, he's kind of right when it comes to, um, I guess, it being like a, uh, I don't know what the word is, but Antonio Brown, I think he does have a point when it comes mm-hmm. to um, Robert Kraft a little bit, but that's not the only reason why you got released. You are acting out. People are tired of seeing you act out. And you're a huge distraction to the team. The Patriots don't want that. They're a team that looks straightforward to the game. They're not looking for any distractions. And you're just too much, too much, too many questions about Antonio Brown in this case. They don't want to deal with that. Yeah, I definitely hear you on that case. Like, completely agree with you on that case. But let's put that aside. And before I actually answer the question, put that aside. Is he justified by his comments about Robert Kraft, though? Um, I, I guess a little bit, but not completely. Mainly because Robert Kraft is an owner of a team. Antonio Brown is a player. And if he doesn't like playing in the NFL then I guess he can leave, like he said he would. Um, And Robert Kraft is an owner of a team. So there's not much, there's there's not not really much that he can really do about that. Okay, so you just keep making me want to ask questions instead of going ahead and answer the question, because I'm going to answer mine all the way fully out. But I ask also, so are there different rules between the owners and the players? Yes, there is. It's because they run the league. The owners run the NFL, not the players. Okay, well, I don't think officially the rules are different, and especially since uh, it is dealing with a sexual case, it, it should look bad on the NFL, but he is a it is a gold standard franchise, so that is very favorable in his case. I do think Antonio Brown is justified in his comments. I think this is a a weird game he plays. Sometimes he's justified by the things he does, but a lot of times he's put himself in that position where he's already done something wrong. In this case, he is very justified by what he's saying. Robert Kraft should not be treated differently because if it was anyone else, other than the owners in the NFL, even if it was Roger, Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the league, it would not be okay, would it? No, it wouldn't be okay. But I think the commissioner of the NFL, he would lose his job if that happened. Exactly. So why is it that the middleman between the person who's supposed to be running the league 
and the owners because they, they're kind of the middle person between the three classes of the NFL because Roger Goodell supersedes the owners in their decisions. So in that hierarchy, why is it that the owners are impervious to so much uh, of their own wrongdoings? Well, it's like if you're running a company, do, do the people who work under you, are, are they the judge jury and executioner of any of the um, things that you might commit. No, it's the law who is the judge jury and executioner if that does happen. And uh, Robert Kraft, he's still in an ongoing case. So there's really nothing that anybody else can do about that except the law. Well, that's the same for Antonio Brown. I, I, just to kind of say it. Not, I, not exactly. Well, I, well I, what I'm, I'll, I'll go ahead and make my point first because it might change what you're going to say here. I just, like I said before, though, in other episodes, I think the NFL should just get out of the judge and jury uh, game. They should get out of the U.S. government's game and just treat people as what they do in football. I understand it may look bad on you, but they have to let things uh, go by due process because in this world we're very much on guilty and you have to prove yourself innocent versus you're innocent and until you're proven guilty well um i think still he's playing in the owner's league it's not the other way around so they can punish him because they're playing because antonio brown is playing in their league well I, I guess because I see uh, Roger Goodell as above them, and I guess you're seeing the hierarchy with the owners being over Robert Kraft. Uh, that is maybe, correct. They, yeah, they they maybe, are over uh, Roger Goodell. Well, that's sad. That's very sad uh, <laughs> when it comes to the hierarchy of the NFL. And I got off uh, off kind of track on that one, but uh, what is Antonio Brown's best option after this last fallout? Well, he should just stay low and change his attitude. And I, I don't know if you know this, but he actually enrolled in some classes at Central Michigan. So he's going to be taking some classes to, I guess, get his uh, college degree. Man, he's all over the map. Like, this man is all over the map, literally and mentally. Uh, he, where in the world did Central, Central Michigan come from? Like, what, what, I, I, I you know what? he went to school. I, okay, I, I guess. Uh, maybe he wants to live the college days. I don't know what's going on in that man's brain uh, currently. I, I, I just don't know. But I'll ask the last question on Antonio Brown. Is the XFL the best home for Antonio Brown? I'm not really that – well, I'm not really too familiar with the XFL uh, whenever they first came out. And I think they were a pretty different league. They were all about showboating and big plays and whatever. But I'm, Does that I'm not, not sound like him? I mean, that sounds like him. But I'm not sure if that's what the XFL wants to be now. This has been almost about 20 years. They probably want to be looked at, looked in in a better light and to last longer, to challenge the NFL to the point where maybe one day they will be bigger than the NFL, but we'll see. So I'm not sure if the XFL wants that type of attention. I say yes, 
you know, I already said this in the past episode, but I that, like it's kind of going down this road for him to be in the XFL one way or the other. The other, even if it's pretty short lived, because this they restart up in January. Uh, but yeah, they were a showboating league. They were the t- the league where you can have nicknames on the back. Everybody rem- remembers who remembers that time. He hate me. He hate me. Uh, got so popular in that league that when the XFL was disbanded, and actually before it was disbanded, he was in the NFL. Uh, I don't think the XFL could ever supersede the NFL, so I think they have to they have to exist in their own lane. So they have to be what they're known to be. Otherwise, nobody's going to watch it. That's it. We watched it because there, uh, at that time, a lot of people thought there was going to be even looser rules on hitting. Pretty much it being even more of a gladiator sport when it comes to that. But they also tuned in for the wild, crazy, like, uh, college atmosphere to the crowd and the games, even the cheerleaders. Well, uh, I'm still not sure if they want to be looked at in that light. But another thing that plays into them getting more attention is they're going to be taking place after the NFL season. So people will be open to watching more football. Just like whenever the AAF was around earlier this year, but they ran out of money um, because, well, I don't know why they ran out of money, but <laughs> they, the league couldn't stick around because they didn't have enough money. But They probably didn't that, have enough players. Uh, I, I, I don't yeah. know about that, though. No, they, they had enough players. They didn't have the money. Well, I, I mean, quality players, players that people would even want to watch. But um, I don't think that matters. They ran maybe, out of money. The season didn't maybe. even finish. They had to cut it loose before it even ended. It was more a joke than being serious on that one. (laughs) Did you watch it? People were tuning in for that. No, I I didn't watch it. I honestly didn't watch it. Uh, Well, you should watch it. They they were exciting at times. You just needed to get a team. Well, I can't now. They ran out of teams. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what I'm just saying is people were watching. It's it's not like they were competing with the NFL. I hear you. I hear you. But uh, to answer the question, I say, yes, this is the best home for Antonio Brown. Uh, he can be flashy. He can be the main, their main star because he's already become a even negative uh, main star in the NFL. I think this is their biggest attraction. If they get Antonio Brown, give him as much money as you can possibly give and still operate as a franchise. But I, I just think that's what's best for the XFL and for Antonio Brown. Because right now, he is – no one's going to touch him in the NFL. So that is his best option at actually staying tuned uh, and kind of letting things play out uh, in the NFL. He can just go be a star in the NFL – sorry, the XFL. Imagine him getting the MVP in, in the XFL and then coming back to the NFL. It's everything he would want. I guess, but well, what does that mean, getting the MVP in the XFL? It's a new starter I don't know, league. I don't, know how, <laughs> I don't know how you get the I guess you just got to perform extremely well, and I expect him to uh, do that. Um, but what I mean by yeah, that is... And, and like, I think it's also to get him paid, because he's not getting that guarantee from the... As far as I know, he did not get that check today on Monday uh, from the Patriots. 
And so he only made somewhere near 150000 for this upcoming season where he was in line for at least $30 million guaranteed. Well, they better go ahead and pay off that debt that he owes to those other people who are asking for money. Yeah, uh, I, I, I guess. I think he's going to try to beat all of those cases because that's just that type, he's that type of person. But let's actually get into the week three because we've kind of lagged on with Antonio Brown. He is always dominating the subject. Uh, but week three, it kind of it had its own storylines. And the biggest game that everybody wanted to watch for this upcoming week, uh, well, this past week three, was the Ravens versus the Kansas, Kansas City Chiefs, where you had a show of Lamar Jackson a giant star, up-and-coming star, along with Patrick Mahomes, who's quite impressive and won the MVP of the league last year. Um, well, from that game, because I'm pretty sure you watched where uh, the Kansas City Chiefs won 33 to Ravens having 28. Which quarterback impressed you most Sunday? I'm sorry about that. I didn't give you the stat. Lamar Jackson was 22 of 43. He had 261 yards, zero passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown, where Patrick Mahone had, was 27 of 37, had 374 yards, and had three passing touchdowns. Well, it's still Patrick Mahomes. He's still uh, tearing up the league right now, and he looks like he's on his way to a second back-to-back MVP if he plays like this throughout the whole season. Um, Lamar Jackson, he did great, too. Both of the quarterbacks were impressive. Uh, Lamar Jackson, he was really uh, juking dudes out of their shoes. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, of course, throwing deep passes downfield. And all of the receivers, I mean, are basically track stars. If <laughs> Those guys are just too fast and can run past the defense. So uh, yeah. uh, watch out, Tyreek mm-hmm. Hill. I mean, yeah, I I would agree to a lot of the, uh, your your comments there, um, but I would say who impressed me most would be Lamar Jackson because Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. He might possibly be already the best quarterback ever in the NFL. And I know this is very early, but the way his numbers and his pace for this upcoming for this season and just last season kind of shows that. Uh, not for that to be understated, I was more impressed by Lamar Jackson. His running, it it honestly reminded me of a matchup between, because there's no bad choice in either one being impressed by, but it reminded me of Vic versus uh, Brett Favre. That's what it just reminded me of uh, when it comes to those type of quarterbacks. Patrick Mahomes is your Brett Favre, quite impressive, is going to throw up crazy passes, get, has this crazy excitement, uh, works with his team, everybody loves him. And Lamar Jackson is Vic. He can do whatever he feels like doing. He's going to juke you, turn around, spin around in the touchdown, and you can't do anything about it. Yeah, Lamar Jackson, um, he's, he's really uh, rounding in the form. He's doing really well. Um, but Patrick Mahomes Definitely the better quarterback. I, I would definitely want him over Lamar Jackson, mainly because he's not going to be trying to run out there taking all those hits. Um, 
But like you said, there is no wrong answer between these two quarterbacks. And this is the future of the league. Do you do they remind you of Vic and Brett Favre or are my comparisons off? Um, I I would say so, but uh, Brett Favre was more had more interceptions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not about the interception. I'm talking about the the way they play, just the the way they play. Yeah, yeah, that that would probably be a, a pretty good comparison. Okay, uh, now. Who is the better show to watch? You're still going with Patrick Mahomes, or is it going to be Lamar Jackson? It's kind of hard. It depends on the game, really. <laughs> um, I'm just going to go with Patrick okay, yeah. Mahomes. Okay. Yeah, and I'll take that sh- the short answer to give you this last question on the subject. Uh, with Patrick Mahomes on pace to surpass last year's MP- MVP season, who has the best chance to prevent Mahomes from repeating as MVP? Really, it's all about the story when it comes to MVP, especially if you haven't won it before. So I'm thinking Dak Prescott actually would be the one to win MVP if the Cowboys keep playing well. Um, it, well, more on offense than anything, because their defense is still kind of lacking, I think. Um Dak Prescott, he's playing pretty well. He's definitely impressing. Um, It looks like uh, he's going to lead his team to the playoffs. I know it's really early. Um, The rest of his division doesn't really look that good. And he just looks like one of the better quarterbacks in the NFC. So I can see him preventing Patrick Mahomes from winning the MVP. And also Brady, but, I mean, he's won three. Unless those other two fall off, they're not going to give him the MVP. Okay, yeah, like cause that was gonna be my answer. You, you scooped it at the end. I was like, I was gonna go with either Brady, or I'll give you a surprise answer. Um, actually, I'm not gonna go with that first because that's just uh, talking about MVP. I honestly think it's gonna be Patrick Mahomes anyway, but I would say it's gonna have to be, either be Aaron Rodgers or it's gonna have to be Tom Brady. It's gonna have to be a good old boy to get to win MVP. Why's uh, that? Just because. The younger quarterbacks, none of them are as poised as uh, Patrick Mahomes. No, none of them are going to be able to put up the stats ratio uh, when it comes between him. And even if Lamar Jackson goes off for an amazing season, he's going to come up second to Patrick Mahomes. And honestly, he probably is the closest if he proceeds the way he has been going. Well, uh, I'll just say Dak Prescott because I feel like you know, they're going to keep winning. Answer. I actually was quite in. Sorry, but, yeah, that was a very good answer. I was actually quite impressed by that answer. Uh, I was thinking, dang, that is a quite solid answer. Not, I forgot. Maybe I didn't address that. But, yeah, I thought that was a very solid answer. Yeah, and, and as far as the other two quarterbacks, you said the good old boys, they've already won MVPs. It's only if one of those other quarterbacks that we mentioned fall off, if they, like, that would give them that chance to win the MVP. Is you have a better chance of winning MVP if you haven't won it before. I I agree. I I agree, but I think they are very likely to give it to good old boys also. Trust me, they really wanted to give it to Drew Brees last year because he is also a good old boy. It's not many of them left. And the reason why I say Aaron Rodgers is because his team is just not, not that attractive anymore. And if he leads them to losing less than... 
less than four games, if they, they go 13-3, and three, I think he can really possibly uh, get that spot. I, I guess. It's, it's not like he's playing that great. He's he's had better seasons. Yeah, yeah but it's, it's three games, and uh, I, that, that was just thinking – uh, the way they vote, uh, not by what I would really want. Um, but to move it along, we'll go with Sunday night's game, the Rams versus the Browns. Now, after this game, the Browns have now become three. No, sorry, the Rams have become three and zero, and the Browns are now one and two. Browns are feeling a little blue after their twenty to thirteen loss to the Rams on Sunday night. Browns. Like I said, has now fallen to one and two after three games. With all the talent on the Browns that they have gathered, do you think Freddie Kitchens is the only thing holding the team back from success? And if not him, then what? I think he is one of the things that's holding the Browns back from success. I think the Browns jumped at the opportunity of having him as the head coach because of what they saw from him last year after he took over for the last coach that they fired. And I I guess it's a good thing, I guess, having that continuity with the quarterback um, trying to get the same coach. But I don't think he was ready for this position. I think another problem with the Browns is all of the expectations that they had going into the season. People expected them to be one of the best teams in in the league. And, I mean, rightfully so, but they have not lived up to that. And also is Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham Jr. Those two have a very high, I I guess a very high persona. Like, they they just bleed out. Like, look at me. I'm I'm this good. That's, That's what I think is really messing the Browns up. Well, I think even though Freddie Kitchens recently reached out after this game and said, uh, blame him, he's the head coach of the Browns, I don't think he is what's holding this team back from success. He is, like you said, part of the reason uh, of calling a draw play when nobody's had drawn a draw play since 2007 on fourth down. That is a head coach problem, Uh, but – I think it's Baker Mayfield. As much as he's talking and getting people to look away from his actual actions on the field, he's thrown 15 since he started at with the Browns. He's thrown 15 interceptions. That's most out of any quarterback who started those same amount of games. Uh, worse out of all. So I think he's a big problem uh, when it comes to this this chemistry because he's. He is like the head coach on the field, especially the way he talks. But I think the blame will fall on Freddie Kitchens. I think the coach should get most of the blame, mainly because he's the one doing all the play calling. He is over the whole team. He called that draw play on fourth down, which is very dumb. So dumb. I mean, you got to get nine yards and you call a draw play. He should get most of the blame. But Baker Mayfield should not be released from any of this either because he's playing terrible people wanted to put him on this pedestal of being one of the best quarterbacks in the league judging from last year but i never thought that i thought he was good last year but i never thought he was great even he he was ranked as i think 
51 or two on top 100 players. I was like, what? Ahead of Deshaun Watson and another host of good quarterbacks. I'm like, no, that's, they are crowning him way too early. And I think that's the problem. He bought into it and said, um, I made it, but no, you haven't made it. Yeah. Yeah, They, they thought because all, because they've assembled all of this talent at a non-successful team before, and he he talks a really great talk because it's mostly Baker Mayfield. I wouldn't even say it's Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham has been doing what he's supposed to do. Like, he's been catching amazing balls. He's been the most entertaining thing about the Browns this past season. Um, so I, I, I put a lot of the blame on Baker Mayfield. Uh, he, he talks an amazing game, and – that's why the media media has crowned him. He knows how to play the media game, along with everybody's hearts and minds. Even though what you see on the field, you kind of become blind to because of the way he talks. He he always acts like he just is a part of misfortune, and it's just the luck of the draw that has gone against him. And like we're still gonna we're not gonna listen to what y'all are saying. We're we're still good. I still believe in us, and. Little did he know, you're the problem. Yeah, he is the problem. Um, I think he needs to just come back down to earth and humble himself. Then he can move forward. I think he should really be quiet. I think he's gotten caught up in all of the commercials he's getting, uh, national attention he's getting. He is now the LeBron of Cleveland right now. He is what's bringing in the media dollars, the media attention. Uh, I know Odell Beckham is an amazing side piece to it, but it's going to be his talk. It's going to be Baker Mayfield's talk that is really getting them drawn in. But with a hard upcoming schedule for the Browns, and I'm going to go down the next six games for the Browns, they are at the Ravens next week, at 49ers after that. They play at home against the Seahawks. And then they go to the Patriots and play them. After that, then they play the Broncos at, at the Broncos, which they can still lose that because that is a way game. And for that last six game to make it at nine games for the season will be against the Bills at the Bills. Sorry, that would be at home, but against the Bills who have been pretty formidable in these first three games. So I ask, what do you see the Browns record being after nine games? I see them being... Wow. <laughs> I'm yeah, guessing they will be three and six. I agree. I completely agree. Go ahead and tell me why. Well, um, I don't think they turn it around against the Ravens, especially when the Ravens thought that they could have won against the Kansas City Chiefs. They're going to come in hungry trying to win their first division game. So that's an ill. Um, I actually think they can win. I, yeah, I actually think they can win against the 49ers. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo has not been playing that well. He looks like a turnover machine. Um, but they could still but it easily an away lose game. that game. Yeah, it's an away game. It's but an away they, game they, can, they can easily lose that game. The, the Seahawks, they definitely will not back down. I see the Seahawks winning that game. But it's game. not at the Seahawks, but they're at home. <laughs> that doesn't matter. They just lost at home. <laughs> um, <laughs> then they go to the Patriots, which I really don't think they'll win. Um Maybe they turn it around there. I don't know. Hopefully not. No. But <laughs> they play the Broncos. I see them winning that game. Um, yeah, that's it a, is that's a away game. But I can still lose that. 
Yeah. Um, I see them narrowly beating the Bills. So, wow. Um, I say two, two to three wins. So either three and six or four and five at best. That, that's their best record that can come out of that is four and five. And that is sad because, honestly, I think that's an upside for them at four and five out of this schedule. Um, that means y'all actually won three games out of these six, which uh, I don't know how you're going to do it. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I, I honestly think they go three and nine, and it looks quite shameful at that point uh, at the season because that would be still having seven games to go, but it would look real sad on a record of three and six. Um, but I'll move it along. How confident are you in the Ravens to win their division with only one win so far between the rest of their division? The Steelers are 0-3. The Bengals are 0-3. And the Colts are 1-2. They've only won one game between these three teams, and the Ravens are 2-1. So how confident are you? in them after three games to to win this division. I'm very confident in the Ravens. Before the season, I was not confident in them. I did not see where they would improve coming from last season as far as the pieces they put around Lamar Jackson. But, man, this is really their division to lose. I can see them going on a run. Um, the Steelers, they are not good. Um, the Bengals, they are not good. So the, the Ravens, they can really take over this division and win it pretty easily if they play up to their uh, potential. And, and sorry about that. It's the Browns. Uh, the other, uh, Browns is the other um, team in this division. I'm sorry about that. I said, I think the um, I think uh, Colts. Colts. I think I said Colts. Yeah, sorry about that. I want to just go ahead and correct that. But the Browns, who they just played, they're going to be playing against uh, the Ravens next week. Uh, I they're only one and two, and that's the one team that has one win. Uh, just to kind of revise. Um, but to answer the question, I'm very confident, very very confident in the Ravens to win this division. They're going to run away with it, I think, uh, because the Steelers they don't have a starting quarterback. They don't have the starting quarterback they're used to, which has been Roethlisberger. So uh, everything's pretty much new there. Bengals are just a disappointment as we thought they would be, be and not even newsworthy. Um, and the Browns, they're a whole lot of hype. And we've already looked at their schedule, and it looks like they're going to be three and six after nine games. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty confident that the Ravens probably only out of their next six games, and I'm not even looking at their schedule now, I think they go at least four and two in their next uh, um, next six games which would put them at six and three, which is pretty good. And on the flip side of what the Browns, the closest team that will probably be closest to them in this division, it would flip their whole, the difference between the schedules. I mean, sorry, their records, because the Browns would be three and six and they would be six and three. Yeah, the, the Ravens, they should run away with this division, but I wouldn't completely count the Browns out because it looks like the end of their schedule is pretty easy because after the Bills game they play the Steelers, Dolphins Steelers again Bengals, Cardinals, Ravens and then Bengals so the, the Browns schedule is pretty top heavy at the beginning but then whenever you go to the last part it gets pretty easy so if they can kind of get lucky the Browns may 
make make a, a really good run at the end. I don't think so because <laughs> uh, those are divisional games. A lot of those are you, those two times they're playing the Steelers. The Steelers aren't trying to lose. They're not actually they're they're tanking, but they're not actually trying to tank. They're going to play their divisional rivals extremely hard, especially especially when the Browns want to do a lot of talking. Uh, I, I would think that the Steelers are going to still play the Ravens very hard, but they're just going to lose uh, when it comes to the Ravens. Bengals, once again, I don't think they're trying to tank. They just suck. So they're going to play the Browns pretty hard also. So these are hard games to play, and they still have to at least play the Ravens one more time before they go to the playoffs. So I, I just don't I see them getting beat up all season. Yeah. The, like you said, the Bengals, they just suck. They're not trying to take. Um, but really, they should start that whole team over as far as the Bengals. Just get rid of everybody because they're not going anywhere. Yep, coach, uh, head, head quarterback, everybody, punter, uh, anybody. The uh, the towel, towel dude, he, you got to go too. <laughs> but um, I'm going to move on to the NFC East where there's the Cowboys, the Giants, the Eagles, and the Redskins. Now, one of the more impressive teams so far is the Cowboys going 3-0, and winning 31-6 to against the Miami Dolphins on Sunday. After the rest of the division has the Eagles and the Redskins struggling, and Daniel Jones having his first start with the Giants, do the Cowboys actually – are they actually in a position to think that they will make it far in the upcoming playoffs? Well, they're in pretty good position to win their own division, I think. I don't know about playoffs. <laughs> well, I mean, they talking about playoffs. You know what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they they'll make it to the playoffs, and I think they will go as far as the NFC Championship game and probably lose there. But the Cowboys, they look really good. Um, I would going into the season, I expected their defense to look better than their offense. But it's actually the other way around. Dak has this offense really running on all cylinders. And they, they haven't missed a beat. Um, they have that continuity just from last year. They feel like they've gotten even better. And now this team is on a roll. I know they haven't played much of anybody yet, but they do play the Saints with uh, no Drew Brees. But it looks like the Saints are still no slouch, so I wouldn't guarantee that as a win. Um, but the, the Cowboys, they, they look like they're going to, run away with this division if the Eagles don't start straightening it up. Yeah, and that is where most people are looking for the most competition in this division uh, from the Eagles. But like I said in the uh, upcoming comments to the question, the Eagles are struggling, along with the Redskins, because they're not really noteworthy until they prove something with their wins. Uh, but the, giant, the Eagles are pretty pitiful with Carson Wentz. Um, I would say that, yeah, the Cowboys can look at them them going pretty far in the playoffs right now off of what they see right now, but it's a long season. And the season will tell what your t- team is going to actually shake out to be when it comes January, Feb- February, if you make it that far to February, uh, which is around the time of the Super Bowl. So, uh from what I've seen, yes, they can have a lot of confidence in getting pretty far. 
because uh, they clearly look like the best team in the probably all of the NFC because uh, the Saints aren't really that threatening without Drew Brees right now. Um, and yeah, yeah, I, and Rams, I, I'm, nobody's really that scared of the Rams because golf is not playing that uh, well either um, uh, right now. But I'm moving along uh, with still staying in the NFC East. Are you impressed with Daniel Jones' first start for the Giants with him going 23 of 36 passing, had 336 yards, two passing touchdowns, and two rushing touchdowns? Yes, I said rushing touchdowns. Uh, Are you impressed? Yeah, I was very impressed, um, especially after I made that declaration last week about the Bucks winning the division, which looks pretty bad right now. Um, but Daniel Jones, he really impressed me. Um, I actually, I'm actually kind of rooting for Daniel Jones now, mainly because they got rid of the cancer that is Eli Manning. <laughs> um, Daniel Jones, he, he looks like he can be a good quarterback. Um, I didn't have that that much of a confidence in him when it came to the draft, but he's proving everybody wrong and is clearly a better quarterback right now than Eli Manning. I would agree. I was quite impressed with his performance, but if you watch the NFL, uh, which I know you do, I'm not uh, specifically saying you, um, then you know that defenses – Sometimes a quarterback can look better than they really are because defense have, have not gotten actual film on what this quarterback can do. This might be that case. So I, I say I wouldn't be surprised that he get he hits a wall pretty soon uh, as a quarterback. He, he's in the New York AR hype, and he does deserve the praise that is coming his way right now because he's been very impressive compared to Eli Manning, which is extremely trash. Um, so I, I was impressed just to answer the question, but I, I, I don't put extreme confidence in his future this year. And, and to comment on your, about the Bucks, the Bucks actually lost that game because of a coaching call. They got a, a, a took a five yard, um, penalty to go back five more yards so they can center the ball. That was the coach's decision. They took that uh, took that penalty on purpose and then missed the yard the field goal by about two yards when you just took a five yard penalty, which led to the Bucks losing that game versus the Giants winning that game. This storyline could be completely different. Yeah, that's true. Um, the Buc- the the Bucks just fumbled the game away. Um, really, it could have been. Uh, really a Mike Evans highlight reel if they wanted to, uh, well, if the Bucks had won that game, because he was destroying them. Um, and James Winston, he still looks pretty much pretty good. Um, I'm thinking that if he continues on this path, then he will he will continue to keep his job in, at Tampa Bay. But they're going to have to come through with these wins for him to uh, stay. Yeah. And we'll dig more into that uh, when we go get to the NFC South, uh, which is very soon here. But with the Eagles struggling, how much do you blame? How much of the blame is on Carson Wentz? I think a good amount of the blame should be on Carson Wentz, but maybe not all of the blame should be on him. 
mainly because he has a lot of injuries at the receiver position, um, which caused a lot of younger players to come in, which had a lot of drops. From my knowledge, I think it was seven drops that they had from the receivers. And he's missing Deshaun Jackson and also Alshon Jeffrey, which are two pretty big pieces for the Eagles. Um, Nelson Aguilar, he's not really a number one receiver. He's more of a complimentary piece, more of like that third wide receiver. And that was something like his first option besides Zach Ertz. So he has a lot of injuries going into just this past uh, Sunday's game. But I'm thinking that they will bounce back once they get these people back from injuries. I don't I don't know about that because I do give a lot of blame to Carson Wentz. I think it's the coaching. I think it's the whole team. It's the whole team chemistry um, right now. Carson Wentz is still trying to get over an extremely bad injury. And he has not gotten over that heel just yet. I at best, he's had, what, maybe three three good games? I wouldn't say great games, but good games uh, since he came back from that injury. And I'm, I'm really being very generous about the three. I, I can't think them off the top of my head. Um, so, yeah, I put, I put a lot of blame on Carson Wentz, but I think it's a whole team thing. It's a, it's a, there's a hidden problem, which goes right into my last question about the uh, situation. Will the locker room ever be Carson Wentz's locker room since they love Nick Foles so much and he is their one MVP winner? It won't be his locker room until he wins a Super Bowl. Because until then, Nick Foles will always be looking over his shoulder. Not in person, but just the aura of Nick Foles winning that Super Bowl. That's always going to be over his shoulder. And until he wins one for the Eagles, he has let the team down. Okay. I'm going to tell you what his odds are of winning and getting that uh, the locker room on his side. One out of 100. It's one out of 100. And you know why I say I pick one out of 100? It's because the Eagles... It's because the Eagles only have one Super Bowl and just so happens to be the 100th season season of the NFL. It's only been one time. It is not that common to win a Super Bowl. And if you think that this locker room is going to at some point win a Super Bowl very soon, you're that person is delusional uh, because it, it simply is that. Like, it's not going to happen for this locker room. That that will never be his locker room because he's not going to win a Super Bowl anytime soon. If Even if he does win one later on, it's not going to be with this locker room. I, I just I, – I would put a lot of money on that. Okay. Uh, but didn't before the season you pick the Eagles to win that division? I'm really not sure. I'm, re- I'm really not tape. sure. Yeah, I mean, you have to run the team. I'm pretty sure you one. did. I, I wouldn't, well, I, I'm not, honestly, I don't, I don't, why would I pick the Eagles? I guess I just picked the Eagles because I didn't want to put any faith in the Cowboys, if I did, because I, I really feel like I should have went with the Cowboys, uh, and I think I did, but, but. No, I don't think you did. Only because I'm not a big fan of Carson Wentz, and I don't believe in his, uh, him being healed from the injury. So that's the only reason why I feel like I didn't pick the Eagles, but we'll have to run the tape on that one. Um, 
But, yeah, yeah, I, I just personally don't think he's ever going to get that locker room. He's never going to obtain that city. He was already, It was already built for him to lose in that situation after he had a great start. And Foles actually came in for a large period of the season that year. They won the Super Bowl. And then followed up the next season when he got hurt, when Carson Wentz got hurt again, followed up and actually went on a uh, pretty much a good going towards playoff run just last year. It's never going to be his locker room. They really did love Nick Foles in, there, even as a person. Yeah, they, they did love Nick Foles. Um, he brought them their Super Bowl. But, um, and it only wasn't just because of that. It, it was definitely highly. It was a big part of that. But it, he just can't get the same love that Nick Foles kind of stole from him, but not didn't steal from him because he didn't. He wasn't the one who actually injured Carson Wentz. <laughs> well, Car- Carson Wentz, he just gets injured too much, and I fear that before this season ends. He's going to miss the end of the season. Yeah, I, I agree. And they should have – I don't know what they should have did because Nick Foles is currently hurt, even though he played for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I still think – I don't know whether their face would be any different right now um, if they kept – they went along with Nick Foles and tried to trade off Wentz. But then that would they would have had to actually admit that they – they didn't put full faith in Wentz. They had to keep going this route. They were locked in a situation. They couldn't. They was unavoidable. Yeah, and also Nick Foles better watch his back because that other guy, Minshew, he looks like he's kind of good if he keeps playing like this. Well, that that really sucks for him. <laughs> that really does suck for him. <laughs> hey, he got a Super Bowl <laughs> ring, so he should be good. Yeah, but how much do you? Like, I wonder what he does with that Super Bowl ring. Like, how does he really feel about that Super Bowl ring? Like, you were the starting quarterback, but you wasn't the starting quarterback. You won the Super Bowl, but you didn't win the Super Bowl. What do you mean? He he won. He, he I mean, was the reason why they him, won. As in him, him. As in he was there, he threw the pass, he was the starting quarterback to do it. That's, that's a confusing conversation to a girl who does not know football. Is it? Okay, yeah, I'm the starting quarterback of the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, so you just won the Super Bowl. You were, where, I, I didn't see you on the field. Were you? Don't you just look a little different on TV? Oh, that was Nick Foles. What do you mean? Uh, well, I, I won the Super Bowl, but no, you were the backup. No, I wasn't the backup. No, I was the starter. It's a confusing conversation. Oh, I thought you meant. I, I thought you were talking about Nick Foles. Like, as, as the one who's the backup in, you know, the confusing conversation. But I see what you're talking about. No, for Nick. I'm talking about for Carson Wentz. It's, okay. it's a confusing conversation. Yeah. And as simple as that. Like, oh, but I was hurt, but I won the Super Bowl, and that's my only Super Bowl. Because that's probably, I honestly think that's what the way it's going to shake out. It just might, and that's very unfortunate. But I don't care. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but to move on, <laughs> uh, it'll be the NFC South that we're peeking into, uh, where there's a lot of injuries at quarterback for the main quarterbacks. Uh, the two star quarterbacks uh, entering week three that are injured is Cam Newton, who will be out four to six weeks, and Drew Brees, who will be out six to eight weeks. Big wins uh, week three 
were with the Panthers and Saints backups. They came through when these quarterbacks were hurt. The Panthers won 38-20 to against the Cardinals, and the Saints won 33-27 to against the Seahawks at the Seahawks. Now, which quarterback is the biggest loss to their team? Is it going to be Cam Newton, or is it going to be Drew Brees? Really? Um, it's still going to be Drew Brees, I think. Mainly because he was the big orchestrator of this offense. Teddy Bridgewater, he did fine. He did good. But it was really those skill positions who really won the game with Kamara, mainly, and then Michael Thomas. And also the a punt return for a touchdown and a defensive return for a touchdown doesn't help. I mean, it, it helps. Um, but Drew Brees being out, that just puts a huge, huge damper on them going to the Super Bowl. Um, and with the Panthers, um, Cam Newton, he was the, – the team was struggling with him. And then when you go to this new guy – they look like they're firing on all cylinders. So it doesn't look like the the Panthers are missing too much without Cam Newton. Mm, I actually argue that the bigger loss is with Cam Newton and the Panthers. I think the Saints can stand alone. I think they're good, and they've proven that they're all around good if they have enough time to prepare. Um which now they're at their second week without him, and he got hurt early in the game last week, the week before this uh, past one in week two. Um, so I would say the biggest loss is actually to the Panthers. I don't have this faith in this random quarterback uh, coming in and being successful with the Panthers. I don't think their team is well-rounded enough to actually do anything in this division. I have more faith in the Saints. So I think it's a bigger loss with the Panthers just due to – I know they weren't being successful recently with Cam Newton, but with a healthy Cam Newton, I think he was the biggest loss to their team. Well, it seems like Cam Newton, whenever he is on the field, he is the biggest reason why they would win. But I don't know if I'm being prisoner of the moment, but he that quarterback from yesterday, he looked very good. I know it was against a team that's inferior, but we'll see how he does um, next week because Cam Newton is out again. Um, and with yeah, yeah. the yeah, and, and with the Saints, I think Teddy Bridgewater he is serviceable. He was never that great of a quarterback. He was pretty mediocre a game manager. But if it wasn't for Kamara, the the slippery Kamara, then they would not have won that game. <laughs> yeah. And uh, to move it along, um, Falcons lost to the Colts 24-27. to 27, And the Bucks lost to the Giants 32-31. to 31. Which team do you have more confidence in fin- finishing near the top of the division? The Falcons or the Bucks? <sighs> that's, that's really hard. Because Right now, I really do not trust Matt Ryan. He is just inconsistent. He actually played better last year when they had a worse record. But um, 
man, they it's just too much inconsistency with Matt Ryan. Um, so I'm going to go with the Bucks. I know they just lost to a rookie, but I think the Bucks still have the better chance to win this division. I think they have a better defense. I think their offense is one of the top 10 offenses in the league. And I think Jameis Winston will finally come through and win this division. I, I agree. I, I have more confidence in the Bucks. It is still a hard choice because you would think the Falcons, since they've been put together longer, that they have Julio Jones, that they have Matt Ryan, that they can just somehow put it together and win the division or just finish near the top of the division. But I have more faith in the Bucks because, like I said, the Bucks should have actually won that game, and that was a coaching error. They've looked good in the first couple games also. So right now, I have more faith in the Bucks. Um, so who is the most standout player still playing in the NFC South? And I'll give you a couple selections. Is it Julio Jones, Jameis Winston, Christian McCaffrey, Matt Ryan, we might want to scratch that name, um, Michael Thomas, or Alvin Kamara? Well, it's really down to the running backs, Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara. But I would go with Kamara because that guy is so slippery. The way he can get in and out of his breaks. And if you catch him out in space, you're done. You got to have like three or four people right there waiting for him if you're going to catch him. Because just when you think he's down, he's still up. His balance is on another level. I've never seen a player like that that has so much balance. Like, his balance is ridiculous. Like, he he is one of the best running backs in the league. I don't want to say he's the number one, but he's just about there. Yeah, I agree, because Christian McCaffrey, he's been quite amazing uh, this year when it comes to being a running back for the Panthers. But Alvin Kamara, Kamara is clearly the most impressive and biggest show and biggest star right now left in the NFC, which with Drew Brees being hurt, because that, that's probably the only other person I'm going to put above him. Uh, and Julio Jones, if he was having a great year, uh, but that's kind of led – that kind of deals with what Matt Ryan uh, is doing for him. So, yeah, I agree. It's going to be Alvin Kamara. He's an amazing talent with the Saints. But uh, the Texans and the Ravens both are now 2-1. and one. So I ask the question, who are you more impressed with at quarterback for these teams? The Texans have Deshaun Watson, who so far out of three games has – Six touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns. I'm saying, uh, sorry, six passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns, one interception, and 778 yards with a quarterback rating of 108.6. Or is it going to be Lamar Jackson with the Ravens, who they both have the same record, but passing touchdowns, Lamar Jackson has seven. He has one rushing touchdown, zero interceptions, and 865 yards passing with an 80.2 quarterback rating. Who are you most impressed with? That's a really hard one. Um, I'm just going to say I'm not really picking with my head. This is more of the heart. I'm just going to say Deshaun Watson. 
I, I really like Deshaun Watson as a player. Um, I don't know the complete stats, but if you go back and look, he has on all of the games that he's lost in regular season have been, I think, seven points or less. So every time this guy shows up on the field, he is great. He's always played well. And I think he will continue to play well. Um, Lamar Jackson, he's he's doing great too, but I, I just like Deshaun Watson more as a player. Yeah. This is an extremely complicated answer, and that's one reason why I proposed this question. It's a great, hard comparison between two very good quarterbacks. Not a bad choice if you choose one or the other. They literally have the same amount of touchdowns if you're trading one passing for one rushing touchdown. And it's crazy, Deshaun Watson is the one who has more rushing touchdowns right now versus Lamar Jackson being known as a running quarterback. But I would agree. I'm going to say Deshaun Watson. Uh, What impressed me most out of his stats, even though he has an interception and Lamar Jackson has none, it's because he has that 108.6 quarterback rating. That that does take in a whole lot of different number, numbers and conversions, uh, yards, which you're going against. It, it puts in a lot of different things. That tipped the scale for me. Um, I, and Lamar Jackson is at 80.2 when it comes to quarterback rating. I know I'm putting a lot of stock in those two numbers, but it's really the only deciding factor that puts me more towards the Sean Watson. Deshaun Watson has a non-impressive offensive line and has been doing amazing things. Lamar Jackson, eh, it doesn't matter if he had a horrible line or he had a good line, because I actually think he has a pretty good offensive line. He's just a great show to watch. So to be impressive as in their actual stats and the way they're overcoming obstacles, I'm going to say Deshaun Watson, but when it comes to just can't keep my eyes off, have to watch what he's going to do like Vic, it's going to be Lamar Jackson. Yeah, um, and I think we probably benefit the most because we get to see these great quarterbacks play. Yeah, we do. We do. Uh, we get to see such great talent being produced in the NFL right now. The running slash uh, throwing quarterback is it's very prevalent in this upcoming uh class of quarterbacks um and we we thought we were there but we've reached another level of that type of quarterback with patrick mahomes uh lamar jackson the sean sorry sean jacks watson and uh kyler murray those alone are running slash throwing quarterbacks which we kind of looked at kaepernick being that or um even mariota uh, but he's now an older class of that type of quarterback yeah, Mariota, it won't be long before he's kind of going from team to team because I don't think the Titans are going to stick around for him uh, too much longer. And I wonder why you didn't include this name, but Russell Wilson, he's a part of that group as far as the running slash throwing quarterback class. I would say that uh, Russell Wilson has reached, by this point, he's hit the good old boy stage. He's in the good old boys uh, group, and I I know he's a run slash throw quarterback, but he's still of the older class. I, I just I put him in the older class. He he's probably I think now uh, thirty. He's either thirty three or thirty four. Um, wait, 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 hold on. I don't think he's that old. 
Let's see. He, he came in the same class as Andrew Luck. Oh, then he's 30 then. Sorry. He's 30. That means he's 30. Uh, 30 or 31, um, depending on when they came out. But I think they both came out early. Um, he's 30. But 30, okay. Um, but I, I still put him in the older class of those type of quarterbacks. He He's like the the OG of that style. Uh, when it comes to those type of quarterbacks. And and even if you want to go back a little bit further, I would say Brett Favre. And then if you want to go back even further, I would say uh, uh, Steve McNair. Uh, but it, it, that's it, here nor there on those uh, uh, type of quarterbacks. I just think he fits in the older class of them uh, as these newer quarterbacks are something, something extremely impressive. Yeah. And I'm thinking that, as we go further along in sports, not just in the NFL, players are just getting more athletic. You just look at the NFL, the NBA, and all these other leagues. Players are just so much more athletic and versatile. Yeah, it's the earlier training and development, the science that's put behind it. So people are getting their optimum, optimum ability out of their talent and honing their mental skills along with their physical skills. Uh, it's, it's the new age of way, uh, way of things. But I, I'm going to move off a little bit off of uh, NFL and then go into the questions. This, uh, it's a small subject about the NBA. Now, Kevin Durant has hinted at a very early comeback in the 2019-2020 season after a serious injury of tearing his Achilles in the NBA Finals last year, as most of us know, uh, he should be out at minimum a full year. And this happened earlier just in 2019 of this year. He's talking about upcoming season and returning. After a series of tweets, this is how we found out about it. Uh, After a series of tweets and the New York media going crazy with a a lot of different headlines on the major uh, news. With it being clear, he should sit for the upcoming season. Do you think that Kevin Durant gets is getting ahead of himself? Yeah, he's definitely getting ahead of himself. Really, I think Kevin Durant, he doesn't want to be left out of the conversation because everybody is looking at this year, this upcoming season in the NBA as just a season for him to just rehabilitate and get ready for that others, well, the season after next season. Um, Kevin Durant, he just likes to be in the conversation. He wants to be still thought of as one of the best NBA players. And he is. He, He still will be once he comes back. But don't rush it. You saw what happened whenever he rushed it in the NBA Finals, and you, you really don't want to see that again. Yeah, I completely agree. He does. He wants to be in the conversation. He he has a case of don't forget me uh, right now. That's what's going on with Kevin Durant. He, he really feels that he wants to be a part of what everybody else is a part of, the newness of the NBA, and it's like he's a part of it, but not a part of it. It's like, hey, we, we, we're going to give you your title and we're going to leave you with your title, but we're not really looking at you in any particular way this year. And it's like the first day of school. He wants to start the first day of school just like all the other kids and be new. But 
what he's looking at is knowing that he has to come in the middle of the of the school year where everybody already knows each other, everybody's clicked up, everybody's got their favorites, uh, all the girls have been taken up, and he's the new kid. He don't want to be the new kid. He feels he is one of the leaders of the NBA. Yeah, he really he is one of the leaders of the NBA. He is one of the best players in the league, but he just doesn't want to be left behind. He doesn't. <clears throat> he still wants to be in the conversation of best players in the league or best player in the league. But you, you're just gonna have to sit this one out, man. Um, you're gonna injure yourself again if you go back too early. Yeah, and and this is not like light speculation. This is heavy speculation enough to have the New York media really clamoring over and kind of expecting a slight early return uh, on it to the season. And I, the way, the way I, he's he's a very emotional person. And like I said, he just really, really, really does not want to be left out. He does, he doesn't want to be the guy who doesn't get the experience, everything just like everybody else. Uh, he, he he probably thinks the world is unfair to him in, in general. Uh, I'm not a big a giant fan of him, and, and I'm not blaming him for not for feeling this way. But he really is getting ahead of himself. So uh, with Katie now being in the New York market, is he do has he doomed himself to even higher expectations? Um, I I don't think he's really put himself to higher expectations. <clears throat> but I do, do think he put himself kind of in the wrong area because he does not like criticism. When it comes to criticism, he he acts out and acts out too quickly to the point where it's, it puts him in another hole and people think worse of him. So uh, Kevin Durant, he really might not like being in New York that much. Yeah, and I, I actually think you did make part of my point for me. So I, I do think he's doomed uh, to higher expectations because he's in that new market. He, he is in a, a bad area for him personally and how emotional he is. He is quick to lash out. And I, I believe if something happens to him in practice, before he leaves the building, he's going to tweet something that has already hit the media waves. We analyze everything and anything Kevin Durant says. He needs to know that, yes, you've reached the popularity of LeBron, but you need to act at least somewhat like LeBron. I'm thinking that he's tired of being compared to LeBron. He, he doesn't want to be like LeBron. He wants to be better than LeBron. But I don't know if that will ever happen. I don't think that would ever happen now. Like, the Achilles thing shot him. And if he's not careful, his whole story of his entire career is going to be the Golden State group up and never hitting his uh, greatness after that point. It's always going to be what if. I think it's going to be – it could end up like a Charles Barkley story, but with him having rings if he plays this wrong. Like, if he returns early, and let's say – he gets injured again and he just never turns out the same way again, which is very likely. It happens to a lot of players that way, like a lot of players that way. Look at Kobe, uh, look at um, uh, Cousins, 
it's, it's a lot of players where Achilles injury is a death stroke to your entire career. He can get into the what if phase. Like, if he never gets to that point again, he will always get this credit for how great and talented he was, but he's never going to feel like he's had enough credit, which is going to just supply to his emotional outburst and the way he is. Yeah, he really needs to, um, in this upcoming year, he needs to just look at himself in the mirror and just grow up, work on himself. Well, I think he is who he is. I think he he feels like he's the leader of the new class. LeBron is a little bit older class. He's the last of the older class. That's that's what he feels like. He feels like LeBron's the older later the last of the older class, and that Kevin Durant is the uh, leader of the new class. And that's that's him commenting on social media. That's him playing video games. That's him commenting under. Uh, people's posts, and he'll actually respond back. But he's pretty positive on there just as much as he's... No, I don't say just as much as he's negative, because I think he's a whole lot less negative on there, and he's just mostly emotional. But he is leading the class of, like, I, I'm actually going to reach out through social media. I'm going to be active. I'm going to be what everybody else is. You're not going to tell me I'm not going to be who I'm going to be. Yeah, he he's very emotional. Um and like you said, he just might be stuck in his ways. But you are not the leader of the new class. You are along with the class with LeBron. And the new class is I don't, I'm not sure who's leading that, but it's not Kevin Durant. Uh unless you want to give it to a foreigner, I think he is. I think he's the the beginning of the newer class. Uh, now, and everybody up under that kind of falls in line. Maybe he doesn't because he's 30 years old. He is 30 years old, so maybe he isn't uh, the leader of the new class, but I think he feels he is. Uh, but to go to the last question before we go to the questions, uh, to, to the questions of uh, uh, that we do trivia each week, uh, if the Nets have a very good season, what realistically can we expect from Kevin Durant Talent-wise and decision-wise, as in the when he would, if he would come back. Well, I would expect him to be as efficient as he always is, but I wouldn't expect to see an athletic Kevin Durant that is going after rebounds and um, really just being all over the court. I can see him just picking a spot and just shooting. I can't see him really making a lot of cuts because that's what led to the first Achilles injury. I decision-wise, I think he decides to come back. If they have a very good season, and I think he's just going to keep pushing it, and I think he's going to push it way too early. Uh, but I don't even think they have to go to their first round of the playoffs, and he would try to step in and just say. Hey, I can do that. He he thinks he's a plug-in player, and I just think he got a lot of rude awakenings coming for him, like an extremely amount, extreme amount about of rude awakenings. Just to build it up, Kyrie is from New York. He has a a following in New York. By the time he, Kevin Durant can actually get back to the team, it might be Kyrie's team. 
and he's just going to still feel like Kevin Durant and the Nets. He doesn't think it's going to be that way, but it's just building to be the same way. So decision-wise, I think he's going to try to come back early, and he's going to try to play this year. I just think he's built himself up. Even this early, we haven't even started training camp, that he's he's way too anxious not to come back. And talent-wise, I actually expect if he does come back, he's going to do too much. That's what I expect. I think he's going to be out there trying to show, hey, I'm I'm better than ever. Uh, now I'm on a new team. Can't nobody stop me now. I'm still the best. You uh, What, LeBron over there? No, I'm still the best. And that, if you didn't know, and I think he's going to mess around and end up in the same situation. He's a frail guy. I don't think there's much holding a lot of his ligaments together. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah, he, he probably will push it too early, like you said, as far as the decision and try to get back on the scene. But it's going to be too late. Really, I think if Kevin Durant has started the season or this upcoming season, I still think Kyrie Irving will probably be the leader of that team because Kevin Durant, I, really, it doesn't seem like he's ever been the number one leader on any of his teams. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's part of the reason why he's anxious because I think everybody was giving him the lead now and he can't even take the lead because he's still going to be coming in late. So I, I, I agree also. I just think it's going to end up being Kyrie's team and – as much as he's their best friends and everything, it's still going to be Katie slightly on the outside. Yes, I, I agree. Yeah, and we'll end on that, uh, I guess, agreeing. <laughs> and uh, this has been So You Think You Know Sports. Now we're moving into the last part, uh, which are the questions. There are three questions. Uh, multiple choice, as always. Your guess is about as good as mine. Muhammad comes up to questions. I try to give you a little bit of commentary and get the answers right. Well, we meet you each Wednesday on Apple Podcasts, uh, many Spotify. We have different uh, ways to listen to our podcast. But let's go ahead and go with the first question, Muhammad. Which of the following was the last quarterback to start for the New York Giants before Eli Manning? A. Kerry Collins, Curry Warren, Phil Sims, or C. This is a hard, hard question because it's been 16 years that uh, Eli Manning has been the starter, so it's been a long time uh, since there's been another person. Um, go ahead again with the question and answer. I'm going to go ahead and answer kind of quickly here. Which of the following was the last quarterback? to start for the New York Giants before Eli Manning? A, Kerry Collins, B, Phil Sims, or C, Kurt Warner? Now, I'm going to automatically cut one of these people out. I'm pretty sure it wasn't Kurt Warner, so I'm going to push him out. Um, And it's kind of hard for me with Phil Sims and uh, what was the other name? Kerry Collins. Kerry Collins, because um, I feel like I've seen both names on a Giants jersey. Uh, so I'm just going to go with my gut, and I'm going to go with A, Kerry Collins. That is wrong. Uh, it's actually know. the one that you threw out is Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner, for real? Yes. Right before 
Eli Manning, Kurt Warner was there. Then Eli Manning took over. When? How long was he with them? Like that was wow. That was brief. Yeah, it was a short extent, and then I'm pretty sure he went to the Cardinals. Oof. Hey, okay. Wow. I didn't. I, I didn't expect that. But go ahead with the second question. <laughs> Who was the NFL passing touchdowns leader in 2017? A. Drew Brees. B. Andrew Luck, or C, Russell Wilson. And what year was that again? 2017. Okay, so not too long ago. Okay, that's. I still think that's a little hard um, because I think all of them at some point have had a leading season, but I'm just not sure. Uh, go ahead again with the question and answer. Who was the NFL passing touchdowns leader in 2017? A, Drew Brees, B, Andrew Luck, or C, Russell Wilson? I don't really don't think it's Russell Wilson. Um, you said Andrew Luck and Drew Brees? Yes. Ooh. So I'm probably doing myself here, but I'm throwing out somebody again. Uh, I'm going to say um, throwing out Russell Wilson because I just don't think he was that top in 2017. Um, hmm. I'm going to say Drew Brees. That is wrong. Ooh, it was Andrew Love? No, it was Russell Wilson. What? <laughs> yes, it, it was Russell Wilson who had the most touchdowns in 2017, passing touchdowns. Hmm. I had no idea. Yep. Um, yeah. Actually, Drew Brees has not led as far as passing touchdowns, I think, in a while. I was trying to look it up because I, I had it earlier. But... um. I'll come back to it. Um, yeah. Question number three. What NFL team had the number one ranked defense in 2018? This is total defense. A, Baltimore Ravens. B, Buffalo Bills. Or C, Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, you said 2018, the top defense. Yep. Okay, yeah, so go ahead and repeat the question and answer one more time. What NFL team had the number one ranked defense in 2018? A, Baltimore Ravens, B, Buffalo Bills, or C, Jacksonville Jaguars? Uh, I'm pretty sure it's not the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, one more time for me with the question. What NFL team had the number one ranked defense in 2018? A, Baltimore Ravens, B, Buffalo Bills, or C, Jacksonville Jaguars? Hmm. I'm pretty sure it's not the, Jack, the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, what were the other two answers again? Was it the Bills? Yes, the Buffalo Bills and Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore Ravens. Hmm. I'll say Buffalo Bills. 
That is wrong. It's the Baltimore Ravens. Ah, yeah, I'll get them all wrong. Anyway. <laughs> well, just to go back on that question about the passing touchdowns leader, of course, Patrick Mahomes last year had 50. Russell Wilson had 34 in 2017. Aaron Rodgers had 40 in 2016. Tom Brady had 36 in 2015. Andrew Luck, 40, 2014. Peyton Manning, 55, 2013. Then Drew Brees in 2012 with 43. So that was the last time Drew Brees had. Yeah, yeah, that's what's up. Uh, It's been a while. (laughs) <laughs> well, uh, I just, I don't know. I just assumed since he had some pretty uh, impressive years. So I was just working off the logic, which doesn't always work that way. Um, but <laughs> this has been So You Think He Knows Sports. Uh, join us again next Wednesday uh, where we will be highlighting uh, more and more NBA and mixing the NFL, the most interesting subjects. Good night.